Section two of stories by foreign authors, Russian authors. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sorochatawansinsurukun from Bangkok, Thailand. Stories by foreign authors, Russian authors by various. Mumu by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constant Garnett. Part two. Supersonatier, Gerson went on performing his duties as house porter and was very well content with his lot. When suddenly an unexpected incident occurred. One fine summer day, the old lady was walking up and down the drawing room with her dependents. She was in high spirits. She laughed and made jokes. Herself, her companions laughed and joked too, but they did not feel particularly mirthful. The household did not much like it when their mistress was in a lively mood. For, to begin with, she expected from every one prompt and complete participation in her merriment, and was furious if anyone showed a face that did not beam with delight. And secondly, this outburst never lasted long with her, and was usually followed by a sour and gloomy mood. That day she had got up in a lucky hour. At cards she took the four knaves, which means the fulfillment of one's wishes. She used to try her fortune on the cards every morning, and her tea struck her as particularly delicious, for which her maid was rewarded by words of praise and by two pence in money. With a sweet smile on her wrinkled lips, the lady walked about the drawing room and went up to the window. A flower garden had been laid out before the window, and in the very middle bed, under a rose bush, lay Mumu busily gnawing a bone. The lady caught sight of her. Mercy on us! She cried suddenly. What dog is that? The companion, addressed by the old lady, hesitated. Poor thing, in that very state of uneasiness which is common in any person in a dependent position who doesn't know very well what significance to give to the exclamation of a superior. I d d don't know. She flattered. I fancy it's the dumb man's dog. Mercy! The lady cut her short. But it's a charming little dog. Order it to be brought in. Has he had it long? How is it? I have never seen it before. Order it to be brought in. The companion flew at once into the hall. Boy, boy! She shouted. Bring Mumu in at once. She is in the flower garden. Her name is Mumu. Then observed the lady. A very nice name. Oh, very indeed! Shimmed in the companion. Make her Stepan, Stepan, a sturdy-built young fellow whose duties were those of a footman, rushed headlong into the flower garden and tried to capture Mumu, but she cleverly slipped it from his fingers and, with her tail in the air, fled full speed to Gerasim, who was at that instant in the kitchen, knocking out and cleaning a barrel, turning it upside down in his hands like a shy's drum. Stepan ran after her and tried to catch her just as her master feet. But the sensible dog would not let a stranger touch her, and with a bound she got away. Gerasim looked on with a smile at all this ado. Alas, Stepan got up much amazed and hurriedly explained to him by signs that the mistress wanted the dog brought in to her. Gerasim was a little astonished. He called Mumu, however, picked her up, and handed her over to Stepan. Stepan carried her into the drawing room and put her down on the parquet floor. The old lady began calling the dog to her in a coaxing voice. 
momo who had never in her life been in such magnificent apartments was very much frightened and made a rush for the door but being driven back by the obsequious stepan she began trembling and had to close up against the wall momo momo come to me come to your mistress said the lady come silly thing don't be afraid come momo come to the mistress repeated the companions come along but momo looked around her uneasily and did not stir bring her something to eat said the old lady how stupid she is she won't come to her mistress what's she afraid of she's not used to your honour yet winter one of the companions in a timid and conciliatory voice stepan brought in a saucer of milk and set it down before momo but momo would not even sniff at the milk and still shivered and looked round as before ah what a silly you are said the lady and going up to her she swooped down and was about to stroke her but momo turned her head abruptly and showed her teeth the lady hurriedly drew back her hand a momentary silence followed momo gave a faint whine as though she would complain and apologize the old lady moved back scowling the dog's sudden movement had frightened her ah shrieked all the companions at once she's not bitten you has she heaven forbid momo had never bitten anyone in her life ah ah take her away said the old lady in a changed voice wretched little dog what a spiteful creature and turning round deliberately she went towards her boudoir her companions looked timidly at one another and were about to follow her but she stopped stared coldly at them and said what's that for pray i have not called you and went out the companion waved their hands to stephen in despair he picked up momo and flung her promptly outside the door just at Jerusalem's feet and half an hour later a profound stillness led in the house and the old lady sat on the sofa looking blacker than a thundercloud what trifles if you think of it will sometimes disturb any one to evening the lady was out of humour she did not talk to any one did not play cards and passed a bad night she fancied the idol cologne they gave her was not the same as she usually had and that her pillow smelled of soap and she made the wardrobe maid smell all the bed linen in fact she was very upset and cross altogether next morning she ordered gorilla to be summoned an hour earlier than usual tell me please she began directly the latter not without some inward trepidation crossed the threshold of her boudoir what dog was that barking all night in our yard it wouldn't let me sleep a dog ma'am what dog ma'am maybe the dumb man dog ma'am he brought out in a rather unsteady voice i don't know whether it was the dumb man's or whose but it wouldn't let me sleep and i wonder what we have such a lot of dogs for i wish to know we have a yard dog haven't we oh yes ma'am we have ma'am wolf ma'am well why more what do we want more dogs for it's simply introducing disorder there's no one in control in the house that's what it is and what does the dumb man want with a dog who gave him leave to keep dogs in my yard yesterday i went to the window and there it was lying in the flower garden it had dragged in nastiness 
it was snowing and my roses are planted there the lady ceased let her be gone from today do you hear yes ma'am today now go i will send for you later for the report gavrila went away as he went through the drawing-room the steward by way of maintaining order moved a bell from one table to another he stealthily blew his dog like nose in the hall and went into the outer hall in the outer hall on the locker was stepan asleep in the attitude of a slain warrior in a battalion picture his bare legs thrust out below the coat which served him for a blanket the steward gave him a shove and whispered some instructions to him to which stepan responded with something between a yawn and a laugh the steward went away and stepan got up put on his coat and his boots went out and stood on the steps five minutes had not passed before jerson made his appearance with a huge bundle of huge logs on his back accompanied by the inseparable mumu the lady had given orders that her bedroom and boudoir should be heated at times even in the summer jerson turned it sideways before the door shoved it open with the shoulder and staggered into the house with his load mumu as usual stayed behind to wait for him then stepan seizing his chance suddenly pounced on her like a kite on a chicken held her down to the ground gathered her up in his arms and without even putting on his cap ran out of the yard with her got into the first fly he met and galloped off to a market-place there he soon found a purchaser to whom he sold her for a shilling on condition that he would keep her for at least a week tied up then he returned at once but before he got home he got off the fly and going right round the yard jumped over the fence into the yard from a back street he was afraid to go in at the gate for fear of meeting gerson his anxiety was unnecessary however gerson was no longer in the yard on coming out of the house he had at once missed mumu he never remembered her failing to wait for his return and began running up and down looking for her and calling her in his own way he rushed up to his garret up to the hayloft ran out into the street this way and that she was lost he turned to the other serfs with the most despairing signs questioned them about her pointing to her height from the ground describing her with his hands some of them really did not know what had become of mumu and merely shook their heads others did know and smiled to him for all response why the steward assumed an important air and began scolding the coachman then jerzim ran right away out of the yard it was dark by the time he came back from his worn-out look his unsteady walk and his dusty clothes it might be surmised that he had been running over half moscow he stood still opposite the windows of the mistress's house took a searching look at the steps where a ground of house serfs were crowded together turned away and uttered once more his inarticulate murmur mumu did not answer he went away everyone looked after him but no one smiled or said a word and the inquisitive postilion and tipka reported next morning in the kitchen that the dumb man had been groaning all night all the next day gerson did not show himself so that they were obliged to send the coachman potap for water instead of him and wished the coachman potap was anything but pleased the lady asked gavrila if her orders had been carried out gavrila replied that they had the next morning gerasim came out of his garret and went about his work 
he came into his dinner ate it and went out again without a greeting to anyone his face which had always been lifeless as with a deaf mute seemed now to be turned to stone after dinner he went out of the yard again but not for long he came back and went straight up to the hayloft night came on a clear moonlight night Josephine lay breathing heavily and incessantly turning from side to side suddenly he felt something pull at the skirt of his coat he started but did not raise his head and even shut his eyes tighter but again there was a pull strong than before he jumped up before him with an end of string round her neck was murmur twisting and turning a prolonged cry of delight broke from his speechless breast. he caught up murmur and hugged her tight in his arms she licked his nose and eyes and beard and moustache all in one instant he stood a little thought a minute crept cautiously down from the hayloft looked round and having satisfied himself that no one could see him made his way successfully to his garret Josephine had guessed before that his dog had not got lost by her own doing but she must have been taken away by the mistress's orders the servant had explained to him by signs that his mumu had snapped at her and he determined to take his own measures first he fed mumu with a bit of bread founded her and put her to bed then he fell to meditating and spent the whole night long in the meditating how he could best conceal her at last he decided to leave her all day in the garret and only to come in now and then to see her and to take her out at night the hole in the door he stopped it up effectually with his old overcoat and almost before it was light he was already in the yard as though nothing has happened even innocent guide the same expression of melancholy on his face it did not even occur to the poor deaf man that mumu would betray herself by her whining in reality everyone in the house was soon aware that the dark man's dog had come back and was locked up in his garret but from sympathy with him and with her and partly perhaps from dread of him they did not let him know that they had found out his secret and stuart scratched his head and gave a despairing wave of his head as must as to say well well god have mercy on him if only it doesn't come to the mistress's ears but the dumb man had never shown such energy as on the day he cleaned and scraped the whole courtyard pulled up every single weed with his own hand tucked up every stake in the fence of the flower garden to satisfy himself that day was strong enough and unaided drove them in again in fact he toiled and labored so that even the old lady noticed his seal twice in the course of the day jerson went stealthily in to see his prisoner when night came on he lay down to sleep with her in the garret not in the hayloft and only at two o'clock in the night he went out to take her a turn in the fresh air after a walk about the courtyard a good while with her he was just turning back when suddenly a rustle was heard behind the fence on the side of the back street momo picked up her ears girl went up to the fence sniffed and gave vent to a loud shrill bark some drunkard had thought fit to take refuge under the fence for the night at that very time that old lady had just fallen asleep after the long fit of nerving agitation this fit of agitation always overtook her after too hearty a supper the sudden bark waked her up her heart palpitated and she felt faint 
girls girls she moaned girls the terrified maid ran into her bed oh oh i am dying she said flinging her arms about in her agitation again that dog again oh send for the doctor they mean to be the dead of me the dog the dog again oh and she let her head fall back which always signified a swoon the rush for the doctor that is for the household physician harriton this doctor whose whole qualification consisted in wearing soft sole boots knew how to feel the pulse delicately he used to sleep fourteen hours out of the twenty-four but the rest of the time he was always signing and continually dosing the old lady with cherry bay drops this doctor ran up at once fumigated the room with burnt feathers and when the old lady opened her eyes promptly offered her a wine glass of the hollow drops on a silver tray the old lady took them but began again at once in a tearful voice complaining of the dog of gorilla and of her fate declaring that she was a poor old woman and that every one had forsaken her no one pitied her every one wished her dead meanwhile the luckless mumu had gone on barking while jerusalem tried in vain to call her away from the fence there there again groaned the old lady and once more she turned up the whites of her eyes the doctor whispered to a maid she rushed into the outer hall and shook stepan he ran to where gorilla gorilla in a fury ordered the whole household to get up jerusalem turned round saw lights and shadows moving in the windows and with an instinct of coming trouble in his heart put mumu under his arm ran into this garret and locked himself in a few minutes later five men were banging at his door but feeling the resistance of the boat they stopped gorilla ran up in a fearful state of mind and ordered them all to wait there and watch till morning then he flew of himself to the maid's quarter and drew an old companion Lubo Blue with whose assistance he used to steal tea, sugar, and other grocery, and to falsify the accounts, sent word to the mistress that the dog had unhappily run back from somewhere, but that tomorrow she should be killed. And would the mistress be so gracious as not to be angry and to overlook it? The old lady would probably not have been so soon appeased but the doctor had in his haste given her fully forty drops instead of twelve the strong dose of narcotic acted in a quarter of an hour the old lady was in a sound and peaceful sleep while gerasim was lying with a white face on his bed holding mumu's mouth tightly shut next morning the lady woke up rather late gravilla was waiting till she should be awake to give the order for a final assault on gerasim's stronghold while he prepared himself to face a fearful storm but the storm did not come off the old lady lay in bed and sent for the eldest of her dependent companions lubo levimovna she began a subdued weak voice she was fond of playing the part of an oppressed and forsaken victim needless to say everyone in the house was made extremely uncomfortable at such times lubo levimovna you see my position go my love to gavrila andrish and talk to him a little can he really prize some rich cur above the repose the very life of his mistress i could not bear to think so she added with an expression of deep feeling go my beloved be so good as to go to gavrila andrish for me 
Luba Blibimov now went to Gavrila's room. What conversation passed between them is not known, but a short time after, a whole crowd of people was moving across the yard in the direction of Gerasim Garret. Gavrila walked in front, holding his cap on with his hand, though there was no wind. The footman and cooks were so close behind him. Uncle Tail was looking out of a window, giving instructions, that is to say, simply waving his hands. At the rear there was a crowd of small boys skipping and hopping along. Half of them were outsiders who had run up. On the narrow staircase leading to the garret sat one guard. At the door were standing two more with sticks. They began to mount the stairs, which they entirely bobbed up. Gavrila went up to the door, knocked with his fist, shouting, Open the door! A stifled bark was audible, but there was no answer. Open the door, I tell you, he repeated. But Gavrila Andrished, Stepan observed from below, He's deaf, you know, he doesn't hear. They all laughed. What are we to do? Gavrila rejoined from above. Why, there's a hole there in the door answered stepan so you shake the stick in there gavrila bent down he stuffed it up with a cord or something well you just push the cord in at this moment a smothered bark was heard again see see she speak for herself was remarked in the crowd and again they laughed gavrila scratched his ear no mate he responded at last you can poke the cord in yourself if you like all right let me and Stepan scrambled up took the stick pushed in the coat and began waving the stick about in the opening saying come out come out as he did so he was still waving the stick when suddenly the door of the guard was flung open and the crowd flew pell-mell down the stair instantly gavrila first of all uncle locked the window come 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 shouted gavrila from the yard Mind what you are about, Joseph stupid of staring in his doorway. The crowd gathered at the foot of the stairs. Joseph, with his arm akimbo, looked down at all these poor creatures in German coats. In his red peasant's shirt, he looked like a giant before them. Gavrila took a step forward. Mind, mate, said he, don't be insolent and he began to explain to him by signs that the mistress insists on having his dog, and he must hand it over at once, or it would be the worse for him. Joseph looked at him, pointed to the dog, made a motion with his hand round his neck, and though he were pulling a noose tight and glanced with a face of inquiry at the steward. Yes, yes, the latter assented, nodded. Yes, just so. Joseph dropped his eyes, then all of a sudden roused himself and pointed to Mumu, who was all the while standing beside him, innocent wagging her tail and pricking up her ear inquisitively. Then he repeated the strangling action round his neck and significantly struck himself on the breast, as though announcing he would take upon himself the task of healing Mumu. But you will deceive us, Gorilla waved back in response. Jerusalem looked at him smiled scornfully, struck himself again on the breast, and slammed it to the door. They all looked at one another in silence. What does that mean? Gavrila began. He's locked himself in. Let him be, Gavrila Andrish, Stephen advised. 
He would do it if he had promised. He liked that, you know. If he makes a promise, it's a certain thing. He's not like us other in that. The truth is the truth. With him, yes, indeed. Yes, they are repeated, nodding their head. Yes, that's so, yes. Uncle Tail opened his window and he to say, yes. Well, maybe we shall see, responded Gorilla. Anyway, we won't take off the guard. Here you, Ironshka, he added, addressing a poor fellow in a yellow nankin coat, who considered himself to be a gardener. What have you to do? Take a stick and sit here, and if anything happens, run to me at once. Eroshka took a stick and sat down on the bottom stair. The crowd dispersed all except a few inquisitive small boys, while Gorilla went home and sent word through Lyubov Lumimovna to the mistress that everything had been done. Why he sent a postillion for a policeman in case of need? The old lady tied a knot in her handkerchief, sprinkled some eau de cologne on it, sniffed at it, and rubbed her temples with it drank some tea, and, being still under the influence of the sherry bay drops, fell asleep again. An hour after all these hubbub the garret door opened, and Jerusalem showed himself. He had on his best coat. He was leading Mumu by a string. Yurashka moved aside and let him pass. Jerusalem went to the gates. All the small boys in the yard stared at him in silence. He did not even turn round. He only put his cap on in the street. Gorilla sent the same Eroshka to follow him and keep watch on him as a spy. Eroshka, seeing from a distance that he had gone into a cook shop with his dog, waited for him to come out again. Gerasim was well known at the cook shop, and his signs were understood. He asked for cabbage soup with meat in it, and sat down with his arms on the table. Mumu stood beside his chair, looking calmly at him with her intelligent eyes. Her coat was glossy. One could see she had just been combed down. They brought Jerusalem the soup. He crumbled some bread into it, cut the meat up small, and put the plate on the ground. Mumu began eating in her usual refined way, her little muscle dently held so as saxly to touch her food. Jerusalem gazed a long while at her. Two big tears suddenly rolled from his eyes. One fell on the dog's brown, the other into the soup. He shaded his face with his hand. Mumu ate up half the plateful, and came away from it, licking her lips. Jerusalem got up, paid for the soup, and went out, followed by the rather perplexed glances of the waiter. Eroshka, seeing Jerusalem hit round a corner and letting him get in front, followed him again. Jerusalem walked without haste, still holding Mumu by a string. When he got to the corner of the street, he stood still as dull, reflecting, and suddenly stood all with rapid step to the crayman forward. On the way he went into the yard of a house, where a loge was being built, and carried away two bricks under his arm. At the crayman forward, he turned along the bank, went to a place where there were two little rowing boats fastened to stakes. He had noticed them there before, and jumped into one of them with Momo. A lame old man came out of a shed in a corner of a kitchen garden and shouted after him, but Jerusalem only nodded and began growling so vigorously, though against the stream, that in an instant he had darted two hundred yards away. The old man stood for a while, scratched his back first with the left and then with the right hand, and went back hobbling to the shed. Jerusalem rode on and on. Moscow was soon left behind. Meadows stretched east side of the bank, market gardens, 
fields and corpses, peace and huts began to make their appearance. That was the fragrance of the country. He threw down his oars, bended his down to Mumu, who was sitting facing him on a dry cross seat. The bottom of the boat was full of water, and stayed motionless. His mighty hands clasped upon her back, while the boat was gradually carried back by the current towards the town. Alas, Gerasim drew himself up hurriedly, with a sort of sick anger in his face. He tied up the bricks he had taken with string, made a running noose, put it round Mumu's neck, lifted her up over the river, and for the last time looked at her. She watched him confidingly without any fear, faintly wagging her tail. He turned it away, frowned, and wrung his hands. Gerasim heard nothing, neither the quick shrill whine of Mumu as she fell, nor the heavy splash of the water. For him, the noisiest day was soundless and silent as even the stillness night is not silent to us. When he opened his eyes again, little wavelets were hurrying over the river, chasing one another, as before they broke against the boat side, and only far away behind white circles were widening to the bank. Directly, Gerasim had vanished from Irashka's sight. The latter returned home and reported what he had seen. Well then, observed Stepan, he will drown her. Now we can feel easy about it, if he once promises a thing. No one saw Gerasim during the day. He did not have dinner at home. Evening came on. They were all gathered together to supper except him. What a strange creature that Gerasim is, piped a fat laundrymaid. Fancy upsetting himself like that over a dog, upon my word. But Gerasim has been here, Stephen cried all at once, scraping up his porridge with a spoon. How? When? Why? A couple of hours ago. Yes, indeed. I ran against him at the gate. He was going out again from here. He was climbing out of the yard. I tried to ask him about his dog, but he wasn't in the best of humors. I could see. Well, he gave me a shove. I suppose he only meant to put me out of his way as if he would say, Let me go. Do. But he fetched me such a crack on the neck, so seriously, that, oh, oh. And Stephen, who could not help laughing, struck up and rubbed the back of his head. Yes, he added, he has got a fist. It's something like a fist. There's no denying that. They all laughed at Stephen, and after supper, they separated to go to bed. Meanwhile, at the very time, a gigantic figure with a bag on his shoulders and a stick in his hand was eagerly and persistently stepping out along the tea-high road. It was Jerusalem. It was hurrying on without looking round hurrying homewards to his own village, to his own country. After drowning poor Mumu, he had run back to his garret, hurriedly packed a few things together in an old horse cloth, tied it up in a bundle, tossed it on his shoulder, and so was ready. He had noticed the road carefully when he was brought to Moscow. The village his mistress had taken him from lay only about twenty miles off the high road. He walked along in with a sort of invincible purpose, a desperate and, at the same time, joyous determination. He walked, his shoulders thrown back and his chest expanded. His eyes were fixed greedily straight before him. He hastened as though his old mother were waiting for him at home, as though she were calling him to her after long wandering in strange parts, among strangers. The summer night, that was just drawing in, was still and warm. 
on one side where the sun had set the horizon was still light and faintly flushed with the last glow of the vanished day on the other side of blue glade twilight has already risen up the night was coming up from that quarter quails were in hundreds around Corncracks were calling to one another in the tickets gerasim could not hear them he could not hear the delicate night whispering of the trees by which his strong legs carried him but he smelled the familiar scent of their ripening rye which was wafted from the dark fields he felt the wind flying to meet him the wind from home beat caressingly upon his face and played with his hair and his beard he saw before him the whitening road homewards straight as an arrow he saw in the sky star innumerable lightning up his way and step out strong and bold as a lion so that when the rising sun shed its moist rosy light upon the still fresh and unwearied traveller already thirty miles lay between him and moscow in a couple of days he was at home in his little hut to the great astonishment of the soldier's wife who had been put it there after praying before the holy pictures he set off at once to the village elder the village elder was at first surprised but the hay cutting had just begun Joseph was a first-rate mover, and they put a scythe into his hand on the spot, all in his old way, mowing so that the peasants were fairly astounded as they watched his wide sweeping stroke and the heaps he raked together. In Moscow, the day after Joseph flight they missed him, they went to his garret, rummaged about in it, and spoke to Gavrila. He came, looked, shrugged his shoulders, and decided that the dumb man had either run away or had drowned himself with his stupid dog. They gave information to the police and informed the lady. The old lady was furious, burst into tears, gave orders that he was to be found, whatever happened, declared she had never ordered the dog to be destroyed, and, in fact, gave Gavrila such a rating that he could do nothing all day but shake his head and murmur, Well, until Uncle Tell shake him at last, sympathetically echoing, Where ill? Alas, the news came from the country of Gerasim's being there. The old lady was somewhat pacified. At first, she issued a mandate for him to be brought back without delay to Moscow. Afterwards, however, she declared that such an ungrateful creature was absolutely of no use to her. Soon after this, she died herself, and her heirs had no thought to spare for Gerasim. They let their mothers and servants redeem their freedom on payment of an annual rent and Jerusalem is living still, a lonely man in his lonely hut, he's strong and healthy as before, and that's the work of four men as before, and as before is serious and steady, but his neighbors have observed that ever since his return from Moscow, he has quite given up the society of women, he will not even look at them, and does not keep even a single dog. It is good luck though, the peasant reasoned, that he can get on without female folk, and as for a dog, what need has he of a dog? You wouldn't get a thief to go into his yard for any money. Such is the fame of the dog man's titanic strength. End of section two. Recording by Sudo Chatawan Sudo from Bangkok, Thailand.